Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to the Generous Business Owner Podcast. My name is Jeff Thomas. I'm one of the co-hosts, and we have a very special treat for you today. We have D.G. Elmore, who is the chairman of the Elmore Companies with us, coming to you from Bloomington, Indiana. D.G., thanks for being on the program. Hey, Jeff, great to be with you. Looking forward to it. This is going to be a lot of fun. D.G. and I have had some nice conversations before we started recording. And so I'm, I always think of this just like we were talking DG about like you and I are having lunch and our, our friends get to listen in and, uh, you just tell some stories that we hope is an encouragement to folks, uh, walking down the street or driving in the car and, uh, are kind of trying to be on this generous business owner track journey, which we know it's a journey. So tell us maybe just uh, as we usually try to start about uh, your journey and sort of where you grew up, what were your family like, that that kind of thing. Jeff, I, so I grew up in a western suburb of uh, Chicago and had, was the oldest of, of three children. My parents were not church-going religious types. My dad was a CPA and a lawyer and then became an entrepreneur. And my mom was a homemaker. And I went from there, not really having any real spiritual background, but in my junior year high school, was into a lot of different things, none of them which were very good. Uh, chasing girls, drinking, stuff like that. And ended up through a friend that had invited me to fellowship Christian athletes on a regular basis. Uh, so regularly that every week, freshman year of high school, he would invite me and I would say no. And every year of sophomore or every week of sophomore year, he would invite me and I would say no. And finally, it began junior year. I thought, oh my gosh, he is never going to stop inviting me. I'm going to go <laughs> one time. And so- Get him off my back. Went, no. Yeah, exactly. And the coach that was speaking that day talked about how things that had happened hundreds of years before Jesus came true in Jesus. And I was like, this was mind-blowing. How could something written down 700 years before someone was born come true in this person named Jesus? And so I kept going back, and then I started reading the Bible. And after, oh, four or five, six months, it, the coach handed out a little gospel presentation. And so I, I read that and prayed to, uh, to ask Jesus to come into my life. And that started changing everything. Not only did I know that I had eternal life at that point, but that started changing my perspective on things. And I saw the Holy Spirit start working on me in a way that I, I wasn't didn't have the same anger issues that I'd had before. My um, desires changed so that it was just more conforming to who Christ created me to be. And so that was really the start of my walk with Jesus uh, was at the end of high school. 
And then I, I went off to college in Dallas, Texas at SMU and continued to have a growing relationship with Christ and um, figuring out how to, how to walk with him on a day-by-day basis. Got an accounting degree. And then after that, ended up getting married and right after college and going to uh, law school and MBA school at Indiana University. And that's in Bloomington, Indiana. It's where I still am today. I had no plans really to stay in, uh, in Bloomington, but that's where God took us for grad school. I wanted to go other places, <laughs> and, uh, but this is where I got in. And it's been fascinating seeing how God has used putting me in Bloomington to create all sorts of opportunities for my family and for me and uh, for, for many other people. Well, one thing that I know is very important to you, and we'll, we'll get into this, I'm sure, more in this conversation, is, you know, kind of a Christian word we use uh, called discipleship. And uh, you probably didn't know that word in high school, but uh, that's what that FCA person was doing, whether, <laughs> remember, remember whether you knew that word or not. Uh, and, uh, and, and I'm fascinated that uh, you really hung in there, even though maybe at home, there, there wasn't a lot of that uh, discipleship happening on the Christian side. Sounds like you got some of your maybe genetic business genes maybe there for sure. But what was that? I'm just curious. What was that discipleship like? Did you have some more discipleship during uh, your college years and your graduate school years? I, I did. And when I was in college, I, I was very much an initiator, so I started a Bible study uh, on the freshman hall floor, and um, I didn't really know really how to do evangelism or get non-Christians involved. I just knew I needed some fellowship, and so I was doing something. And then when I got into a um, fraternity, there was a couple of guys that were at, at actually studying at Dallas Seminary, and they would come over to the fraternity house and teach Bible study uh, once a week. And I got to be really close with those guys. And they started, you know, giving me a, an understanding of how to reach out to folks that didn't know Jesus on campus in the fraternity house and ways to share my testimony. And that was, that was, really formative time. But when I got to graduate school, that's when it really changed because then I got around some folks that were involved with an organization called the Navigators. And these were folks that really helped me understand how to have a day-by-day walk with Jesus, how to open the scriptures in the morning, spend time praying, reading, studying the Bible, how to develop a testimony that I could share relatively quickly with someone, open up doors to have spiritual discussions, invite people to investigate Bible studies, all sorts of things that were really revolutionary for me in terms of how to walk moment by moment, day by day with Jesus. And that's been, that was very life-changing because I, I think in many cases, we in the Christian community, we head off to church once a week, and that's sort of it. 
you know, maybe we talk about with our spouse or friend after church about the sermon. But unfortunately, usually we're critiquing it more than yeah. really talking about what God was speaking to us about. But when I could learn and help others learn about how to read the scriptures and contemplate the scriptures, meditate on the scriptures, memorize the scriptures, that starts to have on a day-by-day basis, that has a huge impact on how I live my life. And my wife, we've got six kids and we've been married for this summer, will be 43 years. Wow. And congratulations. she will very quickly tell you that if I did not have a walk with Jesus and if the Holy Spirit had not uh, conformed me to be more like Jesus, there's no way we'd still be married. I, it was, uh, I, I'm often still not the easiest person to live with, but back in the early days, I was definitely not the easiest person to live with. Very driven, very focused, uh, and uh, not filled with a lot of empathy and compassion. And so God has really been working on me in those areas. Well, I think you make a really interesting point. As a guy who was, you know, raised in the church, I think I kind of thought as a young adult, I kind of already knew it all. And so I didn't really engage in a lot of those disciplines, you know, those daily study disciplines and that story. And so I had to come back to it when I was 30 to kind of figure that rhythm out. And uh, so I think that's really interesting. I mean, we all have a different path, but I, but I just think it's, uh, we, we, but, but if you, we kind of end up in the same place, if you're going to get into them, there just are a certain set of disciplines. I just think it's interesting that, uh, you know, people that maybe weren't raised in the church, you found that so it gave you handles pretty early. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I find the same handles, but it takes me frankly an extra decade. <laughs> so it, 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 so it's just interesting. Uh, God just works in all of our lives in such different ways. And, and I made reference earlier to, uh, you told me before we started recording some of the story of your father's business career, but it seems like you followed a little bit, at least educationally, in, in some of his footsteps. Uh, take us through may, maybe how, you know, didn't he, I think you referenced study accounting also. Was he a lawyer by training also? He was, yeah. And he practiced law for 10 years, became a partner in a law firm in Chicago. And then uh, one of his clients was a public company that uh, recruited him away to go run this public company. And he did that for a few years. And then through some various mergers and things, he left that company and started developing real estate in Colorado at a very early time in the uh, late 60s, early uh, 70s. And then started buying travel companies, uh, tour operating uh, companies. It, you know, it was back before the internet and all that stuff where yeah. people would walk into a travel agency and sit down with a brochure like a magazine, you know, go through it and pick out that they wanted to go to, to you know, Russia on this tour or they wanted to go to Hawaii on this tour. And so he had built up the largest tour operating company in the country. In the in the seventies and early eighties, and so I really I saw that growing up. It was very much of um, part of my my childhood, especially my years in high school and 
in college. And I was just sort of drawn to that. Although when I finished graduate school, I I was planning on going back to Chicago to work in my dad's company and help him really uh, grow that uh, business and just be involved with him. And yet I was asked if I would stay in Bloomington and continue to do some work uh, making disciples, the navigators and with friends in the Bloomington community. And I really wrestled with that. It was yeah. a very intense time of you know, arguing, discussing, debating with the folks who were recruiting us to stay and at the same time causing, you know, there's just a lot of tension for me having to wrestle with that. And then ultimately, I think God just got a hold of me and I just said, okay, I'm just going to stay in Bloomington and told my dad and he was quite, uh, he tried not to act uh, (laughs) very shocked. Yeah. (laughs) Not particularly happy, but I used that as a time just to say, you know, I think for me it was, there are moments in our lives where there's lordship decisions that have to be made and they come at different moments and in different ways. But for me, that was a, a lordship decision that needed to get made. And God used it in an incredible way, but I had no idea what was going to happen. I told my dad, hey, if you have something for me to do, I'll do it. Otherwise, I'll start my own company. And he had a company that had he had hired some guys to start and run, and they had committed a bunch of fraud with my dad bank. So he had to fire those guys and he said, well, if you can run this company for me, that'd be great. So eventually when I got finished up with school six months later, I went ahead and started running that, running that business and stayed in Bloomington. And that just set life on a path that I had no idea it was going to go in that direction, but it has, it's been, it's been amazing. So he was sort of thinking, just for clarification, he was sort of hoping probably that you would move back to Chicago, kind of be his right-hand man in all of this stuff, or at least work toward that. And and instead, you're saying, well, I'm staying in Bloomington. He's like, I'm just actually, I'm actually picturing a lot of people. I bet a bunch of your classmates in Indiana, I mean, the big money center, I guess Indianapolis, but probably Chicago is the biggest, right? The Midwest. Right. Well, they're all going to where you're from. You've got like this sweet offer from dad, let's be honest, and you stay put yeah. that. It, but to his credit, he still, you still had enough relationship to be able for him to kind of say, well, I got this one little business, right? That you could help maybe turn around. Well, he was, he was pretty, he was pretty desperate. So okay. Okay. Fixed. <laughs> that was a, that was kind of his olive branch. Maybe like, oh, well, if you don't do the full thing, maybe you work on this little project kind of deal. Maybe you can, maybe you can take this or something, see what you can do with this mess. It, it was definitely, uh, is his, the, the guy that was his right-hand man and general counsel said that, you know, most fathers, when they have their kids run a business, don't give them, they give them something decent instead of right. this piece of crap they have. I was going to say, this sounds like a little <laughs> bit of the tar baby. Uh, oh yeah. There was, there was, it was bad. 
So, but that, you know what, it was, it was amazing. And I, you know, later, uh, we got it fixed up a little bit and my dad gave me a chance to buy it. And that really started everything for Elmore companies to be able to take that one company and get it going. God just gave us all sorts of favor with people in ways that we never saw happening. This is really interesting. Okay. Um, there's just some, some really cool threads in your story. Um, family business is actually one of those threads. We've talked about discipleship. I know you're still very involved in discipleship ministries and, and, and that sort of thing, but you know, you've got six kids and, and I know you've got this sort of, you know, in the introduction, I, I introduced you as the chairman of the Elmore companies that is plural. So how do we get into the multiple company business and maybe how does the family over time play a role? So we, we just started, it, there was no plan, you know, I, yeah, there wasn't a master plan. Town, so yeah. no, it was, it was just one company trying to get survive, doing okay. But then we had an opportunity to start a company that was in the travel business. And so in the technology area. And so we, we took, um, the, some of the profits from the first company and started this technology company. And then as other companies would become, you know, we saw opportunities and we to buy other companies. And so we saw a staffing company in the travel industry. And so we took some money from, you know, company A and bought company C. And then we saw another company and we took money from company A, company C, bought company D, you know, and so we just were able to, um, I wouldn't say stumble onto um, like a family office, direct investing, private equity firm, um, but we, I do most things very intentionally, um, but sometimes you just have to be open to opportunities. And for me, we saw some paths and then, and then it became a business model that we had had scoped out. I'd seen my dad build up um, a bunch of businesses through acquisition, and we saw doing small business acquisitions as is a really neat opportunity. And and now my kids are doing the same thing. Uh, they're out buying companies and building those companies up, and buying more companies and building those companies up. And uh, they have my kids have a tagline that they use that I, that I really like and it's building great companies together. Um, and it's, it's this idea of that we're very committed by operating partners who run the companies and own the businesses with me. We're committed to one another and uh, my kids are committed to one another and to their business partners. So it's, it's, um, I don't like to use the term of, you know, we're all family because I think business is business, but there is a level of commitment to one another. Um, and that, uh, I think is, it's one of the joys of being in business. Uh, I just, just had lunch today with one of my business partners and you know, we just care deeply. I, I led him to Jesus years and years ago, wow. discipled him. And then a number of years later, uh, invited him to buy a company with me and he's done an amazing job. Well, 
I think one of the things there's there's a bunch of stuff in there that's really interesting uh, to me, and uh, one is uh, the fact that you're able to do it with your family. Now I know with six kids, okay, we're we're not we don't have to sing kumbaya completely. We know you know there's fighting in the back seat, okay, maybe two rows in your situation with six kids, but uh, so I don't want to make it seem like some panacea here. Uh, but, but I really, you know, I wrote down what you said, which was building great companies together. And I, you know, underlined together and the way you described it, I thought was pretty cool Just together that word works on multiple levels as a family, you know, supporting one another to a certain extent. And, and maybe you can share a little more about how that might work and cross pollinate a little bit or, and then also together with a family member with maybe the operator that's also together, mm-hmm. right? So maybe kind of horizontally with the family, but also with the operator. And I think, uh, so I'd love to hear more about that, but then, the, and, and then the other thing I'd like to hear more about is the, uh, this business model, you're not raising funds, right? And in, in terms of fund one, fund two, it's not a private equity fund where every three to five years you're trying to turn this thing over. What, what's your average hold, do you think on a, on an investment time frame? Well, we've been doing this for 36 plus years. And so in many cases, we're still holding. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I thought. It's very, it is very rare. We, we see our, the capital we deploy as is really generational. Uh, yeah. It's not, um, we're not, we're not looking to pull out capital and you know we we just like is we if there are opportunities to sell but just make sense then that's then that's what we're going to do but we're we're rarely looking to uh to sell any of our businesses we're i, I think that's one really, really interesting thing that for your yeah i think that's one really interesting thing that people need to understand is it's really general i like that phrase generational capital we want to say permanent because if God tells you to sell it, you should do whatever he tells you to do. I mean, that's, it's not like something that doesn't sell. Uh, it sounds really long. <laughs> 36 years is pretty long, though. I think that gives us a sense. And then how do you do this? I don't know that we've talked about this before, but obviously each of the kids has a different personality, different strengths and weaknesses, different interests. You know, so I think one of them was a baseball player, right? So there's that story that's kind of maybe an easy one to tell, but but how do you sort of sort of think about, and maybe you can give an example or two of how your kids' personal lives are different and therefore their roles and the kind of companies they're attracted to or deals they're attracted to are different? So I would say uh, they're, they certainly have similarities. They're all very driven and hyper-focused. And yeah, three of them were college athletes. Well, four of them were college athletes. Three of them Division One, and uh, one of them Division Three. And but regardless of whether they were college athletes or not, they uh, are all very focused and very business oriented. You have three boys, three girls, and the sex is irrelevant to their hyper focus and um and drive uh i would say that they're 
certainly wired up in uh, different ways. So our youngest is a um, significant player in the uh, DeFi blockchain okay. uh, crypto world. And um, our second youngest has a startup in the NFT space um, that has done quite well with venture capital firms in that space. And uh, three of the others are very much involved in buying companies and operating companies. Uh, and to each of them, they have a different, uh, you know, two of them are very much operating the hand day to day. And the other one is more of a utility player who, you know, he's acts as general counsel and CFO for some of the companies, more on the board of the other companies. And um, so, you know, we have a whole variety of personalities and gifts that uh, make it a, when we get together for all six of them together and then their spouses and we just have incredible discussions and uh, it's been more than once uh, we have come up with incredible ideas to start new companies and one time the um, uh, the, the two youngest who live in the crypto world uh literally started a company in 10 days that just made a huge impact in the uh in the DeFi space um so it's really uh fascinating uh, when we all get together and hang out small. well so that probably sounds normal to you but i'm i'm back to somebody <laughs> it does, yeah. uh, i'm uh, it's not normal I'm back. I'm back to we. You know, we work for family businesses for a living, so th this is now normal. Uh, what do you think the uh, I hate to say secret to every because I know obviously not everybody gets along all the time. It's not all flowers and rainbows all the time, of course. But just in general, it sounds like you guys really like hanging out with each other for the most part. Uh, what do you think has been the key to that? Why, why do you think they like hanging out with each other? Why, why is this family system so knit together, you think? Jeff, I think one of the things is, is that ever since 1985, when I had two kids, every Monday I've prayed that my children will be best friends all the days of their lives. Oh. Every single Monday. Um, and, you know, I had a really insightful person ask me one time, it said, well, do you think it's the prayer or the intention that comes out of because you're praying that? It's like, yeah, I think it's both. both. I think God has knitted their hearts together, and I believe that I'm always looking for ways, as I mentioned, very intentional. I'm always looking for ways to draw them together. So I have a I have a deal where. They all, you know, the youngest is uh, 27, right? So they're 39 to 27 years old right now. And I have a deal where they all have um, one of my personal credit cards. And they, they know that they can use that anytime they're together to buy the meal. Um, so whatever that meal is, wherever they are. And so my, my one daughter, she said, yeah, it's, you know, where... Two or three of us are gathered together. Dad pays. So, <laughs> I think that's in the Bible. <laughs> it is yeah, sort of. <laughs> so, that's where they hold it. That's fantastic. So, yeah. So I mean, 
it's it's things like that that i mean they can afford to pay it so totally the point right and the point is is that, uh, that i want to and it helps them remember that we're all in this together and that you know we really desire them to be together well you know one of the things that uh we talk about here a lot at arcos is the uh um empowering not controlling is one of our principles and we try to live it inside the mm -hmm. company but then we also try to speak to that as a principle to our uh uh to to the clients uh, god brings us because i think and i'll just blame it on myself as a dad um you know i have this vision of what i would like uh, uh for my children and sometimes i don't think enough about empowering my kids to be who god made them to be which frankly the values are probably pretty darn similar but the way they express them might be uh different and so i think i mean heck just the physical act of giving them each a card there is empowerment in that there's trust in that uh because you could get a bill with some crazy stuff on it now granted they're old enough that you kind of know you got there but still uh that's still a trusting uh a trusting act so i think that's uh that's pretty pretty cool uh so, so tell me now, what, what, what kind of things uh, are, are you passionate about? I mean, having six kids and working with them, is, that, that's a lot to say grace over. But, but are you still involved? You're still involved in uh, discipleship. Maybe, maybe share with how you think about uh, your ministry uh, and maybe how it is it even expressed. You expressed that story about discipling one of your business partners. But uh, how do you look at the business maybe as ministry? You know, obviously this is the generous business owner podcast. So how do you kind of think of your business as a platform for your ministry? Yeah, I, I think that first of all, business gives me a, um, uh, an entry point into so many people's lives, um, whether they're employees, uh, or they are my business partners, or they're, they're people in the community where our companies are located uh, with, you know, with customers. Uh, so it is a platform of, you know, I have relational currency and I have to figure out how to, you know, keep building that and getting an opportunity to earn the trust of someone so that I can share with them about Jesus. And I want them to see, I need to get close enough to them so that they're seeing in me some glimpses of Jesus. My life verse is Matthew 5, 16. It says, let your light shine before people in such a way that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And that, that scripture has really guided me in terms of how I'm gonna how am I gonna live life, and then my desire is is live that out, and and that gives me a, a platform. You know, there is uh, I I could tell you story after story about people that I've either business partners or employees that I've gotten close to, and you know later I'm able to to help them walk with Jesus and. It's been, it's been amazing, and I think that's outside of the business world. It's it's really hard to find, at least for me, 
fine. What's that way to connect with people? I find business to be an amazing platform for doing that. I, I love that. And I think, honestly, that's the reason we started this podcast in the first place is really just to encourage people who have this inkling that, uh, you know, I've got this business, I've got this faith or this burgeoning faith. Those two should probably go together maybe a little more than they do. And so I, I think just that simple idea about, you know, frankly, uh, there's a lot more people, unfortunately, uh, in our culture these days that are going to work than there are going to church. So the ministry opportunity, frankly, in the workplace, and uh, I mean, Billy Graham's famous for saying that before he passed away, you know, that he thought the next big move of God would be in the workplace, you know, in the marketplace. And I think he, I think he was prophetic in that. I think it is happening. And uh, so thinking of your platform that way, thinking of it as a, also you think of a, it as a platform for your family to stay connected. That's really interesting uh, to me. Uh, because yep. one of the gifts you've been given is this large family, and then you've been given this draw to discipleship. So is that your primary sort of ministry? I know, I mean, even the way you're telling it about connecting with people, to me, that's one-on-one -on -one sort of discipleship. Is that something you and your wife are still very involved in? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we're constantly thinking about what what are those relational paths that we can develop a relationship with, invite someone to look at the scriptures with us and, and then disciple them. And so it, yeah, it, it continues on. I was just on a call earlier before, before this um, recording of the podcast and it was with CEO of one of our companies. He's only been there uh, 14 months and just thinking about how our relationship is deepening and how I can continue to develop a relationship with him that at some point, um, you know, when I ask him if he's interested in looking at the scriptures and talking with me about it, you know, we're going to have that relationship where hopefully he's going to say, sure, let's do that. Right. But you have to have a relationship before you ask that, usually, at least by people so. like me. You know, yeah. everybody's yeah. got a little different I, style. I think, so. I think so. Yeah. yeah, it's easier if you've got a relationship. Yeah. I I think so. Yeah. So it, so DG, as we as we wrap up here, as you know, the the last discussion or question we usually ask is, you know, we're thinking about a business person, you know, driving in their car, listening to this, and they're going, "Man, I'm not. I don't have six kids involved with the business. I don't have this big platform like DG does. But man, I feel a tug." I feel a tug to be using the platform I do have with my business as a ministry opportunity, but I'm not quite sure how to get started or how to go deeper. And so what, what, you know, and I was like, you and I were talking about earlier, you know, we're just two business guys having a conversation about, you know, where one beggar found bread and we're trying to share, share it with another beggar where they can find it. So. If we're just sharing these stories, what, what advice might you have for that business owner who's just kind of starting to think about using their business as a platform? What's a, what's a practical tip you might give them? Well, I think it starts with 
having a just a, a walk with Jesus on a regular basis. I mean, you know, it, it when I when I help someone think about starting to have that day by day walk with Jesus, it's uh, you know, I, I suggest that they you know they start in one of the Gospels and just you know read a few verses read a paragraph i mean i think sometimes we can get so caught up in the idea of oh the bible in a year and all that that's that's great that's wonderful but just it doesn't have to be that big it doesn't have to be that long there's this little concept of called seven minutes with god and you know someone can look it up on the internet and you know, seven minutes with God is what got me started with, you know, it's just a very simple outline of praying for a few minutes every day, reading the scriptures for a few minutes every day, maybe journaling a couple of notes that God lays on your heart. And I've never met anybody that can actually, they may not want to commit seven minutes, but no one's ever said, I can't find seven. <laughs> we find seven minutes for all kinds of crazy things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And don't even start like TikTok. You can't even. <laughs> right, right. right. Oh, so, so, yeah, you know, I think that's because that allows it, it, the scriptures and prayer and meditation on the scripture, memorizing scripture, that uh, is fuel for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And then the Holy Spirit starts prompting us in ways to move towards certain people to act to whether it's through generosity of our time or our treasure or it is being gracious and merciful in various areas i think those those are the things that god starts working on us and the holy spirit is there with us when jesus comes to to live in us through the holy spirit but we the Holy Spirit needs some jewel. <laughs> you know, we need to stay sensitive to what God is saying and doing, and and we need the scriptures in our lives for that. Well, I think that's a great word. I, I'm thinking of my uh, colleagues. We've got a we've got an office in Atlanta, and those my my buddies there and ladies, they all are they they're constantly doing push up contests. Okay. But I guarantee you they don't do push-ups more than seven minutes. I mean, it, like in the office, they do these push-ups. And <laughs> so I, it's fantastic, but it's kind of amazing. Like, I think everybody knows if you do seven minutes of exercise, you know what I mean? Especially like push-ups and sit-ups. You do that, that's going to help. I mean, you're going to have the discipline. Yep. And to me, there's also a spiritual muscle. And to me, just starting with that, I like that of a starting of the, that that discipline where it's in your mind and it starts that seat for me i'm totally addicted to it my day's different if i don't do it like i'm i'm that weak uh -huh. that if i don't get right sort of vertically before i start having interactions uh horizontally during the day i just react poorly uh worse than i do without it so i'll i'll just put in a plug for that just Start start uh, exercising that spiritual uh, muscle on a daily basis if you're if you're not already Absolutely. so well DG Absolutely. thanks so much for being with us uh, just love your story love your spirit for helping your family and also others in the realm 
where you run into them in the business world. It's just a great example for everybody listening. So thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure, Jeff. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. Please share it with your friends and leave us your ratings and reviews, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.